On today's pod, we have Tav interviewing Sohana, a PhD student soon to graduate in Brian's lab. Sohana shares her journey to graduate school and how it wasn't a linear path directly to a PhD. She had other initial goals, but realized her passion for chemistry and research throughout the years. She talks about her future plans for after graduation and what's on the horizon. She also shares her secret behind her study habits and what got her to where she is today. So please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Sahana. Welcome back to the pod. On today's pod, we have Sahana, a PhD graduate student in Brian's lab. Welcome to the pod, Sahana. Hey, Tav. Thanks for having me on. Do you want to start off by telling me a little bit about your role at Ryerson? Sure. So currently, I am a PhD graduate student in Brian's research group. And my work, which is completely different from the others in the group, focuses on different applications that Bodipi, which is a fluorescent dye, can be used for. So whether it's being in DSSCs, as both you and Rita have previously mentioned, or for cell imaging or supramolecular design. Mm-hmm. You're definitely the lone wolf in the group with the rest of us doing DSSC type research and you being the only one doing Bodipi, but you definitely have really interesting research. Can you explain to me how you got to the position you're at right now and what led you to this position where you grew up, where you were born, and major transitions in your life? So I was born and raised in Toronto, and during the middle of my final year of high school, we moved to Brampton. But even though we lived in Brampton, I still commuted to Toronto to finish high school. And this was because all the schools that were in Brampton at the time were semestered. And the high school that I went to was non-semestered. So if I were to have transferred midway, I would have had to stay back an extra semester. So just to avoid all that, I continued to go to high school in Toronto. After completing high school, actually don't think I've told anyone this, but I originally planned on going to UTM. So that's the Mississauga campus of U of T. I had accepted my offer and then the day came to go get my student card. And so this was mid-August, I remember. I remember driving there. It felt like hours and literally I get to the campus and it's a forest with deers walking on the campus. And I was, I was like, I was starstruck. I don't know what the word was, but all I could think of was this was not the place where I wanted to be. And I don't think I thought of how I would possibly commute from UTM to home. But at that moment, all I knew was this is not where I wanted to go. And I started to worry. So immediately uh, I came home and I actually declined my offer and I accepted my offer from Ryerson but since it was like mid-August at the time they put me on a wait list so if you know me personally you would know that I'm super organized and that I always have a plan so at that point I was actually panicking and so so confused because I didn't know if I would be going to university come September but luckily within a few days I got accepted to Ryerson and that's how I got here. Wow, I didn't know that. So you would have actually been at UTM and not Ryerson. Uh, What made you actually go into graduate school and go down that path instead of some other type of 
post-secondary school or getting a job right after your bachelor's? Okay, so initially, I never considered graduate school. I've always wanted to go into pharmacy school and become a pharmacist. And it really wasn't until my fourth year, like the last semester when I was applying for pharmacy school, when I made the decision not to. And this was because at the time I was working at a pharmacy and just that everyday lifestyle that I was experiencing, like it was the same thing that they, that they did every day. It was something that I did not see myself doing. And even then when I went to the pharmacist for advice, he even advised me like, hey, I know pharmacy is what you always wanted to do, but in my honest opinion, if you're gonna spend four years in pharmacy school, you might as well spend that four years and go to medical school. So with that in my mind, I was I was panicking again, just like my UTM moment, I was panicking. And at that time, Brian was a professor for one of the courses I was taking with him. So he knew at the time that I wanted to go into pharmacy school and I told him like, oh, so this is a situation I'm kind of confused. And so he, at that time, the course that I was taking with him was this laboratory based course, which was completely different compared to all the other courses. So it was all laboratory based and we had, it was literally like a mini thesis. And so he, uh, I reached out to Brian, we set up a meeting and after me telling him about my pharmacy story. He asked if I had ever considered getting into graduate school and how I would consider extending what we did in that research course into essentially being a graduate student. So took that opportunity and yes. That's actually really funny because I also had a similar experience in university where during my undergrad, I wanted to go into pharmacy as well. And then I worked at a pharmacy and I realized for me personally, it was, I felt really bored at the pharmacy. It felt really repetitive. So I also ended up going into grad school too. So it's quite funny how similar our journeys were into graduate school. With that in mind, is that actually what you wanted to be as a kid or did you want to be something else as a kid? And with that in regard, were you also a good student as a kid? Was I a good student? I think I was bolded into being a good student and that was all thanks to my mom. But growing up, I wanted to be a doctor, but after realizing that I hate the sight of blood, I quickly abandoned that dream. But I always knew that I was passionate about science. So it was always going to be a science related career for me. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about your mom molding you into a good student, how did she help shape you into a good student? Were there some tips and tricks you can share that your mom did with you? Oh boy, I don't think it's, I don't think it's tips or tricks, but yeah, it was a trick. So <laughs> I remember back in the third grade or back in elementary school, I absolutely hated reading and we had to do these daily reading logs and our parents would sign off saying, yes, my child read this book for this amount of times. And my mom was very strict on this. Like I had to read my book and that was the only way I was going to get her signature. So literally she just sent me into, into a corner with the book and me being sneak child I was, I would go into the corner, but I would just flip through the book trying to look for pictures and just look at them for a few minutes. And then I would be done in 10 minutes and later just sit there begging her like, oh yeah, like I read it, but you know, you were too busy with my brother that you didn't realize that I had finished the book so fast. So at that point, like she just caved in and signed it. And I think that lasted like a week until she went out and bought me a tape recorder. And the reason she did this was because she wanted me to record myself reading 
And her excuse was, oh, I'd love to hear you narrate the book and I'd love to share it with your brother. So <laughs> that was her excuse. Yeah, that was her excuse because I had played, you know, the brother card on her. So that was her excuse on me. It backfired. And so I actually had to sit down and read the book for her. And yeah, that was, that's my story. <laughs> Not there listening to your voice recordings of you reading the book out loud to ensure that you read the book. That's insane. Yeah. That's a good parenting tip that maybe we'll all keep in mind for our <laughs> mischievous kids, if any of us have them. In your role at Ryerson, what do you spend most of your time doing? Most of my time is doing research and being in the lab. So whether it's setting up a reaction or trying to find the right column conditions or running an NMR sample, I would say most of my time is just doing research and being in the lab. Mm -hmm, definitely like seeing you in the lab all the time you're always especially you you're always doing columns or a lot of purification or setting up reactions you spend a good majority of your time in Ryerson I think in the lab so with that in regards what do you like the best about your research or graduate school in general overall I think it's the people that I have met in my graduate studies so the people and the overall experience that graduate school has offered, I've definitely grown as an individual and I would have never imagined being where I am right now if it wasn't for all the opportunities that were given to me through my graduate studies. So definitely the people and the experiences. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a lot of good people out here in graduate school who are really there just to help you and they're just here to help lead you. Also, so what would you say is something you like the least about graduate school or research? Oh boy, least favorite. I think you touched upon this briefly, but definitely when something doesn't work, I guess for me, it would be our reaction, if a reaction doesn't work, or a purification method, something that you tried for hours and it just doesn't work. Mm. It just gets you really frustrated in the sense that you really want something to work so you can move forward with your project and get to the next step. But you know, things don't always go as planned, but one day everything will work in your favor. So patience is key and that's what graduate school has taught me. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. There are definitely some days where you're just so frustrated, a reaction won't work, and you've tried it in so many different ways, and it just hasn't been working. But that moment when you finally get your reaction to work is like one of the best moments I think you'll actually have in research, right? Yes, definitely. So what do you actually believe are the most important transferable skills that every student should have and why? So I think an important transferable skill is critical thinking. Being in the lab for a majority of my day, I've come to realize that things don't go as planned. So you need to be able to troubleshoot, think outside the box and come up with the solution. But with that, I think that curiosity is also another important skill that goes hand in hand with critical thinking. And this is because you need to be able to be curious, to think critically and vice versa. So I guess critical thinking and curiosity are important skills that everyone should have. That's, uh, I think, quite different than what people usually typically say on the podcast. I think most people say communication. So it's interesting that you pointed out a different important transferable skill that I do agree is really important. So with those transferable skills, do you think you could apply them towards a job soon? Because you are graduating. So I'm kind of curious for you to talk about any jobs you've thought of, what kind of career paths you've thought of, because I think the listeners on the podcast would be eager to hear about where you've thought of looking for a job. Yeah, so entering into my graduate studies, I initially went in thinking that 
I wanted to become a professor, so going to academics. But I later realized that it wasn't for me only because, so if you take Ryerson, for example, majority of the faculty that's at Ryerson has a research group. There's that 10% 10 to 5% that doesn't have a research group and I wanted to be a part of that 5-10% that didn't have a research group only because I didn't think that I have the ability to lead on a group and I, I didn't think I would be able to take on all that responsibility. So when I looked into possible academics, what I realized was it was actually hard to get a job without a research group because obviously the university wants to attract research, right? So in that point, I realized that maybe teaching wasn't really my my thing. And also it's a different scenario when you're TAing. So it's quite different to two situations, but I realized during my graduate studies as I was TAing too, that it really wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life too. So teaching was something that I considered, but I have abandoned that as well. And just more recently, I've looked into, and I think I've become more passionate and more intrigued on project management and project development roles. So roles that would help like in developing a business, but it would be more related to like a science company, if that makes sense. So I think right now my route or the pathway that I want to take would be something related to a project manager or project development role. And I think my time in our lab and kind of taking on the roles and the responsibilities that I have has kind of shaped me into wanting to take on those roles. I can definitely see you in one of those roles, like you said, because in the lab, you do take on a leader position. You're the person we go to when we need help. So I definitely see you in that kind of position. Out of curiosity, have you looked into whether you need some other type of degree alongside your PhD to help with the management aspect of that job or you can just get it directly with the PhD? I know that there are other certificates that are offered so like a project manager or I think a project management certificate it's what it's called I think like other colleges and I think like Chan School offers it as well but I don't think it's mandatory to have that certificate I think if you have enough experience that you should be good but I don't know I haven't gone into too much detail so please don't quote me on that but there are other certificates that you can possibly get to be more of an expert in that area. Yeah, like have you looked into any different companies where you could be a project manager yet? Or is just in general, you know, you want to be working in that kind of field? Yeah, just in general, I haven't really looked into a company or anything. Just in general, I know that this is what I want to take on. So I know you're also very strong in writing. You're a pretty good writer. Have you ever thought of a science career in writing or any type of job related to that? Or has like that occurred to you at all? So yeah, that, that has occurred. And I think when I was looking at different careers, so I just did like a LinkedIn search. And I think when considering like a project development role, writing will be involved so if you're trying to develop a protocol or a product like writing is definitely involved so i think with the roles that i mentioned before so like a project development role um i think everything will be included is what i'm hoping also it's kind of like a science related job with the management plus the writing aspect like it brings all your favorite things yeah 
I think I think that's what the role is. Let's hope. Um, I don't know. <laughs> is there any advice you'd give students who are about to graduate soon and looking for jobs in the science field? Definitely to step out of your bubble. I've definitely learned that and I'm slowly trying to do that myself, but be open to new opportunities and don't be afraid to take new risks and challenges. Thanks for the advice. So I'm going to switch over to the rapid fire portion of our podcast now. So it's just going to be some quick questions and you can give some answers about things maybe we don't know about you and we get to learn a little bit about you. So to start off this section, the first question is, what factoid do my colleagues know least about me? I am a sucker for arcades. So growing up, I was, my happy place was Chuck E. Cheese and now it is Dave and Buster's. What do you like about arcades and stuff like that? I think it's just like the gaming. I think I'm also very competitive. So competitiveness and being able to spend time with like my family and friends. I think it's just everything put together. I just, I love it there. That's fun. Do you have like a particular type of game at the arcade you like better? Like the race games or I don't know, the ball shooting games? Or is there a particular game you always go towards in an arcade? There isn't a there isn't like a specific game. I think I'm just obsessed with the Dave and Busters that I will literally touch every game or play every game possible. Even though I suck at basketball, I will play the basketball game. <laughs> I feel like I, I can imagine you being very good at all the arcade games now that you, if you're mentioning, you've played all of them. Man, yeah. times. Um, so also, I know that you're very good at studying. You don't procrastinate. This is just a more curiosity question from myself. Is there a reason behind this and why you don't procrastinate? The reason why I don't, I think it just has to relate back, back with just me being a good student and the way that my parents have always like growing up, it was always like I had a, like a designated time to do my homework. And then once my homework was done, like they would give me time to like, okay, this is your free time. Like you can go play a game or do whatever. And then bedtime. So I think just growing up the way that my parents like gave me a schedule and a routine that just stuck with me. And I've just carried that on with me till now. Okay. So uh, a lighter question now. So what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Definitely pasta, but I also love my brown food and one of my favorite Sri Lankan dish is something called cool. So it's a spicy seafood soup and my grandmother and I are obsessed with it. So every time she comes over, which is bi-weekly or monthly, like we make it. That sounds like a very fun bonding experience. Yeah, I I don't know how to make it even though she's made it so many times. It's I just don't know how to make it because there's just so many ingredients and so many things that go together to make it, but it is amazing. That is definitely something you'll have to grab for her from for the family recipe book or whatever that you pass on to your kids eventually. Definitely. So what's your dream car? Dream car would be an Audi R8. Is there a reason behind like the specific car? No reason. Something that I do with my cousins and my family is we go to like the annual auto show. And I think that ever since I've gone to those shows, I've just gravitated towards the R8s. And like, that's like my favorite section to go to during the auto shows. And I think I've just grown to love them. <laughs> yeah. So 
I'm not particularly a car person, but everyone I know that's super into cars, if they have like a very specific dream car in mind, they always know what color they want. They know what color they want their seats, et cetera. Do you have like any particular features that you want on this car or a specific color you'd like your car to be? I don't, I've never gone into those details, actually. Something probably neutral just because I'm already going to stick out if I do get an R8. So let's just not stick out even further. So definitely black or white or maybe gray. What are the neutral tones? Yeah, so stay nice and neutral. Yeah. Okay, do you like to watch any shows? And if so, if you watch shows, like which ones particularly? So currently, because of COVID, I've actually been obsessed over crime-based shows. So I've literally been watching shows like Suits, How to Get Away with Murder, The First 48. So crime-based shows are definitely on my top 10. Are those shows you've always been into, or is this like a newfound interest during COVID? I think it's, I've always been interested in crime-based shows, but I think I've just come to learn that, okay, like I'm actually obsessed with crime-based shows. And I think like, because of all the binge watching that I've done during COVID, I've come to realize that. Yeah, it's actually funny though. I think I remember you mentioning to me before that you wanted to be a forensic scientist at one point in your life. So I'm guessing these crime shows had an influence on you at that point in your life. And that's why you wanted to be a forensic scientist. Definitely. There was a point, I don't know if you know, I don't remember what it's called, but it was something about a bounty hunter. It was like the guy and his wife and like his brother's brother-in-law at one point I wanted to be a bounty hunter. <laughs> That's so funny. So in contrast to that, is there any popular TV shows that you like refuse to watch or that you haven't watched? It's not that I, I refuse to watch, but I've actually never watched a full episode of Friends or Game of Thrones. So like the very popular TV shows that everyone will rave about, I've actually never watched them. No way, you need to watch those shows. They're very good. (laughs) Is there a reason behind this or you just don't have an interest in those TV shows? Yeah, I just don't, I just don't have an interest. I think like if I'm forced to, like if I have nothing to watch, then maybe one day I'll give it a try. But It's not that like, okay, no, I don't want to watch it. It's just something that hasn't occurred to me to watch. Fair enough. So for the next question, it's a sentence. So you have to complete the sentence. If I was not an ex, I would like to be? A forensic scientist. (laughs) I guess I answered that question for you. (laughs) So Okay, so next question. What takes up too much of your time? Right now, definitely commuting, but that's always something that you can fix. But just commuting, it can be kind of like a pause, a pro and a con. It kind of gives me that time to unwind from like, let's say a hectic day from the lab. But I just wish that it was shorter because typically now, like if you're commuting from downtown to Brampton, because of the traffic and not everyone being on the streets it's shorter but typically like when everyone's at work that being stuck in traffic just drives me insane so that is something that takes up too much of my time and I can agree with that living in Brampton myself so it, my commute's very long too and it honestly feels like you're just wasting away so many hours of your day for years have you ever thought of moving to downtown because for you you've been commuting to Ryerson for nine years now as it's your last year in your PhD. Have you ever thought about moving downtown? 
I've thought about it, but I've just been so scared. I think because of the change, I absolutely hate change. So just like leaving home and like leaving my mom and dad, I think that scared me. But I think I've come to a point now that like I need to do that just to grow and, you know, kind of experience like a, a different chapter in my life. So maybe in the near future, I will move out and maybe move into downtown depending where I get a job. <laughs> that will definitely be exciting. I hope you luck on that. <laughs> Who is or was your favorite role model? Role model will definitely be my parents. I can see how your parents would be your role models with how you explain that your mom is kind of behind your good study habits today and she helped you become a better student. Were there other reasons you really look towards your parents for being good role models? It was just that the the way that they came to this country literally with nothing and made a life and they've literally done everything and everything they have for both my brother and I and one day I aspire to be like them so I look up to them I'm very sentimental and attached to my family. Yeah, I can relate to that too coming from an immigrant family our parents really do everything they can to try to ensure that we have like great lives. Exactly. So how do you relax after a day of hard work? just coming home and, and and unwinding whether it's watching something on Netflix like having like a great meal whatever it is just being at the comfort of my own house and just just relaxing mm -hmm. I think a lot of us again can relate to that just kicking back once you get home and the second you just sit down on your sofa you just feel 10 times more relaxed than you are at work or at school so maybe related to that what are some little things that can make your day Great food and great people. <laughs> very simple, but very true. Okay, so what, what things concern you the most? Concerns me the most. I think, so this is something that I've thought about. Something that concerns me is not being able to reach my full potential. And again, this just goes back to like how I was raised and how I just always have a plan. And it's scary just even thinking back to my whole like transition to university, just not having a plan and not being able to reach my full potential is something that I that is concerning to me. But again, baby steps. I'm working towards, you know, stepping out of that bubble. Yeah, first step is to get that job that you talked about. Yes, that is number one. <laughs> okay, and related to actually you stepping out of your bubble, what's something you've been meaning to try but just haven't got around to it yet? I think it's just basic skills that I would like to have in my pocket. So like sewing or I drive a lot. So like, let's say if I get a flat tire, like how to change a tire, maybe cooking. I Since I live at home, I've don't have the need to cook. So sewing, definitely ch changing a tire, maybe learn how to cook. I think, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I think these are actually skills that they should teach in school because a lot of us out here are too dependent on our families and some of our families don't really go out of their way to teach us. So I feel like this should actually be something that's taught in schools. Definitely. And learn how to do your taxes. That's something. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that too. I have no idea how to do my taxes and that's so important. And we yeah. learned about so many other things in school that I have, do not remember. I feel like these little skills would actually have been very useful in life. Honestly. So what's your most productive time of day? I think I can probably guess, but what's your favorite? <laughs> Definitely the morning. I am an early bird and very similar to you. I just have that 
spark of energy in the morning and I just yeah I just love the mornings <laughs> yeah for those of you who don't know Sahana is always the first one in our lab she is in before eight which is a typical time someone coming super early would come in she is probably there at 7 30 sometimes I'm sure she's crazy enough to come in at seven and she's not waking up and just walking into school she's coming commuting from Brampton so Sahana is a really big early bird <laughs> So what's your most memorable gift you've ever received? Memorable gift. I am a sucker for sentimental gifts. So I can think of two gifts. One was from my brother actually last year. I, when I do my makeup, I've just, I have the habit of just sitting on the floor and sitting in front of like a large mirror and just doing my makeup. And like my brothers like noticed this. And so for my birthday, he actually bought me a vanity and what was so funny is that, so I was at school when he put together the vanity and he covered it with like blankets and stuff. And he had me fooled that it was a piano. And I was actually so sad because I don't know how to play the piano. And the way that like the Why shape did of- Why did you think it was a piano? Because, so this was, I guess, part of his plan, but he sent me a Snapchat and it was a picture of the vanity covered in blankets and like the caption was, I hope she enjoys her piano. And so I opened it and he messaged me saying, oh my God, like it wasn't for you, sorry. So obviously like I had already opened the message and, and I was so sad. I was like, why did you get me a piano? Like, I don't know how to play the piano. And he was like, oh, like you can learn. And he made me feel so bad that like, oh, like you don't like my gift. And I was just like, okay, like, yeah, sure. I'll learn how to play the piano for you, but. Yeah, and then at midnight of my birthday, he did like the whole unrevealing and it was a vanity set for me. So I bet um, your reaction was completely opposite to yeah. how you thought when you I was thought it was not a piano. <laughs> so that was the first gift. And then the second gift was actually from my partner. So it was a Christmas gift and he had gotten me a backpack and inside the small smaller compartments of the backpack were like smaller gifts so one of my favorite gifts was the it was like a sheriff woody plush and there was a note attached to it saying that you have a friend in me and that was it like that was the best gift that I could have ever received until this day I have the plush and the note still attached to it that's so nice. I definitely think that it's not the most expensive presents that are the most memorable, but it's the ones that are the most thoughtful that really makes you remember that person and think about how much thought they actually put towards that present for you. Yes, that is it. Yeah. And it sounds like those are the presents you love the most that you received. Do you collect anything? So when it comes to collecting, it's definitely not your regular collection of things. So I'll collect like movie tickets or whether it's like stickers or uh, receipts from like different events that I've gone to or like Dimitri's. So I love dessert. So if it's a special occasion, Dimitri's gives like this special like paperclip that's actually looks like a cherries. So I actually have a, a quite a few of those. So is the reason you collect these things more for sentimental reasons or is it more of just like you just like collecting movie tickets and looking back at what movies you watch or is it more like you want to kind of remember that moment and you collect some a memory of the moment? I think it's definitely just being able to collect the memories and 
not because I want to, but I think it's just like reflecting back, like, oh my God, like this day, like I had so much fun. I did this with this person. It just collection of memories, I guess. And I have like a piece of something from that day. Yeah, that, I feel like it definitely speaks to the kind of sentimental person you are. So we've ended our rapid fire section of questions. And I feel like I learned a lot of new things about you that I didn't actually know about before, which is very cool. And to kind of just end off today's interview, I'd like you to maybe close off and we're talking about some type of piece of advice pre-COVID that you would give your second year self. So advice that I would give my second year self would be to step out of your bubble. I know it's your safe zone, but honestly, I didn't step out of my bubble until I was later in graduate school. So I think if I had stepped out earlier, so like, let's say second year, third year, it would have helped me grow as an individual. Not that I haven't already, but open me up to new people and new experiences. Well, thanks for the piece of advice. And also thanks so much for coming on to the pod today and sharing your experiences and giving your unique perspective to the lab and everything. No problem. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, hopefully we can bring you on again. So thanks, Ahana. I guess that's the end of today's pod.